this morning. It's all been about God and worship and Jesus. It's been um, pretty vertical the last few minutes, singing hallelujah, Jesus is Lord, come to the altar, give myself away, and uh, it's been about God. I hope this has really helped your hearts to be able to focus and to be able to connect uh, and then to hear the word of God before we, we have communion and we have that intimate time of the week where we examine ourselves, the body of Christ, and of course, the cross. So, but as we change the tone a little bit, let's just really thank the worship team for helping us, you know, uh, in doing this every week. Christianity is not about Sunday morning. Sunday morning does not do it for everybody. Some people don't particularly enjoy being around crowds or enjoy the whole Sunday morning scene. You know, you get used to it after you become a disciple and you see the importance of it and communing together as, uh, you know, as a body. Uh, and in addition to that, Sunday morning, uh, it doesn't do it for everybody. And Sunday morning can never do everything for anybody because it's about our walk with God and it's about our relationships with each other. And we've, uh, this beautiful song we sang earlier as we kicked things off, I'm a friend of God, that, what a beautiful spirit that was. And we could sing and we could smile and we could, we could acknowledge that and also we're friends of each other and we're more than friends, we're like brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we've become in the body of Christ. And we've been going through several chapters in the book of Acts. I think that's been pretty obvious, you know, for you over the last several weeks. Jeff started out in Acts chapter 11, and then we've gone on through 13, and uh, particularly over in chapter 15. We've been zeroing in on, as we look at the early church, particularly as it helps us in our transition as North River into a church that is not only a big church and a church of small groups, but also a church of communities, smaller communities where we can grow closer as we grow smaller and we can grow larger as we grow smaller. And so today I'm going to move on a little bit, uh, double back into chapter 15, look at some things in uh, chapter, the rest of chapter 15 in chapter 16, and we're saying beyond. And in the spirit of looking through the book of Acts, what can we learn from the example of the New Testament church during this time of transition at North River into uh, communities? Hey, how do you enjoy your community gathering on Wednesday night? How was it? Well, I've been checking. I've been checking. That was a, that was a 9 a.m. enthusiasm right there. But, but, but I get it. You know, at 9 a.m., I'm, you know... You know, it's just not the same. A couple hours from now, we're all warmed up, okay? But um, I, I, I've been calling around. Hey, how'd it go? How, hey, what did you think? I, and I, I talked to, to, to one member. Uh, this was uh, a little while ago. And I said, so how'd it go on Wednesday night as your community came together? Because unless you've been asleep under a rock or you're just a visitor here for the first time, you know we started last Wednesday meeting together in some of these new communities. We have five ongoing that have been going on for several years, but we've got some new ones as we're getting more of an intergenerational geographic 
focus with collections of family groups that generally are in the same geographic area, and we're getting to know each other. And for some of us, we're discovering we've got people down the street or a couple of streets away that we didn't know were there, and we want to get to know each other and our kids, etc. So I called this one person. I said, how did, how did Wednesday night go? How did your community go? And they said a word I'd never heard out of their mouth before. And I know this person pretty well. And they said the word superb. And I had, I had a pause for a second. I said, superb, okay? You know, I had to like, you know, reorient my, 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 my thinking because I hadn't heard that word before out of them. And I said, well, can you explain that? And uh, with a lot of enthusiasm, they said, well, first of all, we got the biggest group. Secondly, we got the best singing. I mean, there was enthusiasm coming through here. Thirdly, we're the most creative group. And then, she, and then they said, lastly, those other communities can't touch us. That's what, that's what they said. Now I'm going, okay. Marietta Square in town, et cetera. That sounds like a throwdown to me, you know? That does, you know? Are we going to take that if we're in another community? I mean, hey, whoever you are, glad you have good singing, glad you got some creativity. Well, we got engineers in my community or whatever it is, all right? But what we're, what, what, what we're competing with is against the world and against the devil and people that are trying to suck the life out of us spiritually and hurt our children and, and take away our focus. And in, in these communities, we're going to be supporting and helping each other more. So we're going to do it again this Wednesday night. Come on in and go to one of these rooms that are outlined on the signs here and keep building community and call some of the folks maybe that weren't able to make it last time so we can continue this on. All right, so let, let's, uh, let, let, let's keep going here. Uh, turn over to Acts chapter 15, okay? Here's uh, a little bit of the, the history. I'm going to go really quickly, okay? And uh, the, the church exploded with great growth and love and power there in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2. And then uh, there, there was great preaching. There was some uh, persecution. Christians had to spread all around the area because they were a little slow about getting started on this go make disciples of all nations. They, they were enjoying being together. They met every day. They loved hanging out. They, 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 they built beautiful community. The church was growing locally to actually thousands and thousands you know, a people, but God spread them out. And then there were certain places that particularly were empowered by God's spirit and great leaders and really grew in a dramatic way. And one of them was the, the, the church in Antioch. It grew in large numbers. And then Barnabas went down to encourage the church and it grew more. Barnabas said, why, I need some help on this. Let me go find this guy, Saul. I haven't seen him in a while, even though he's got a lot of conviction. Maybe he's gotten a little bit more, you know, a little more bedside manner to him right now, a little bit more love, and we can, he can come help me, okay? And so he came in to, uh, to Antioch, and it grew even more, larger numbers. But then what happened? As people became really aware of this, of this church in a little far-off area from where Jerusalem was, and, and what they noticed is, wow. This is kind of weird. This doesn't feel like our church anymore. 
because it was like a lot of Gentiles, a lot of other, you know, customs, and, and it, it, it didn't feel that old school Judaism, you know, you know kind, of, kind of Judaism uh, flair of Christianity that was, was very much, you know, local there to, uh, to Jerusalem. And, and they actually had a, uh, some challenges because they actually had some old school guys that came down from Jerusalem and went to Antioch. And Antioch was a powerful, beautiful city. And don't you remember, for the first time, disciples were called what? Christians there. Because it was so diverse. It was so alive. It was growing. It was so filled, you know, with power like we'd want all of our churches to do. However, some of these guys down, came down and said, no, you got to become a Jew to really be a Christian. You got to go by all the Jewish laws and customs to really be, at, at minimum, a, a first-rate Christian, but some said are to be saved at all. Now, that is legalism. Not that somebody, you feel a little pressure to come to a community group or to a devotional or, you know, to a family group. This is real legalism when we're attaching on to other doctrines that say, you got to do this to be saved, not to be stronger spiritually, not to be growing, not to have a, but, but th- and, and this was, wow, we got whole books written about this, there's, there's a, the epistle to Galatians, and this was a challenge. The church was changing. It wasn't like what people were, were, were comfortable with anymore. Probably the worship was a little bit different. Some of the, 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 the customs were different. Certainly the diet, you know, was different in these things. And, and some of it was offensive, frankly, to a lot of people. But, you know, they worked on this. I think we all know this. They worked on this, and, and they came, and they, there was some rigorous debate. And there was some contesting, you know, about this. And they got it worked out, okay, because they were a brotherhood, they cared about what was going on in the country next door or cities away because they were connected. Jesus prayed the last thing before he died. He prayed that we would all be one as he and the Father were one. Unity, complete unity. It's important. You work at it. These guys worked at it, and the natural result was there was some great joy that came around. They sent, the, they, they sent back uh, some leaders and, uh, you know, uh, Silas and Judas in addition to Paul and Barnabas, and um, they, they, they told them the solution. And for the Jewish brothers, it was a little bit challenging. And to the Gentiles is a little bit challenging, and Doug talked about this, you know, last, uh, you know, last week. You know, they, they got the word, okay, guys, okay, no, you don't have to become a Jew and do all of these, um, you know, all of these commandments and all of this culture that, you know, started off in, uh, in Judaism and part of the Jerusalem church. So, but here's the thing, you got to abstain from immorality and from food sacrifice to idols and to uh, these strangled animals or, you know, uh, you know blood, you know, you know, bloody kind of meat. And so um, how do these people react? Well, they say, we, we, we got the fornication thing because Jesus said, if you even lust after a, a man or woman, you should pluck your eyeball out. Okay, so we got that. Okay, that's been clear. But now you're talking about, like, how I cook my meat? Now, I relate to this, okay? Because I rarely have a steak, but when I have it, I want it blood red. And it drives my wife crazy, okay? But I like it. I eat raw hamburger meat. That also drives my wife crazy and some of my physician friends, okay? But I like it, okay? Tartar, whatever. That, that, that is just the way I like to eat. You'd know me if we've ever gone to a cookout. I say, put it on there for about 15 seconds, flip it over, you know, give it to me. I like it, okay? 
And if somebody comes and tells me, Tom, from now on, you got to eat your meat well done. At a minimum, I'm going to have an attitude. <laughs> At a minimum. And I might go, I'm out of here. I'm not going to be in this group anymore, this family group. <laughs> Would that be spiritual? No. Would it be real? Absolutely real. So this was a challenge for people. It was a challenge for the very straight-laced, conservative, you know, Jewish part of the church. You know, they were uncomfortable about all of these changes that were going on and wondering where all this was headed. But it was very, also very uncomfortable. And Doug's talked about this, you know, because it, it, it imposed some limitations on people's freedom. That, that, that nothing sinful or wrong about, you know, you know eating, eating a piece of meat sacrificed to an idol. Idols don't exist. But it wasn't about, yet it was all about love in this situation. Now, Douglas was quite, he, 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 he was beautiful about it. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to this sermon. Because he said, you know, I never had applied Acts 15 to my own life. And when I thought about this, this was helpful to me. And he said, um, you know, because he said, I I'm sort of a free agent. I like, you know, Douglas travels around the world. I like kind of dipping into a family group here or a small group here or a life stage here or whatever. And he said, I was starting to feel with this transition of communities a little bit meddled with. You remember? That was his word. Like, I got to kind of change my, and he said, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a community and I'm going to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, my family group has been in transition. I'm going to plug on in. And he it's not the only one. In our leadership group, our elders and evangelists and leadership group, we've also been talking about it because a lot of, you know, some of the people there kind of float around and go to different places. And we've realized, hey, if we're asking the whole church to do this, we need to do this and be plugged in, okay, and to help a, a certain smaller group and community really be able, you know, to grow, even though we might prefer to be doing some other things, but we want to, to do it, you know, for the sake of the good and for everybody. Does that make it understandable to you? This is kind of the heart that we have in the body of Christ because we're one body. We all work, you know, we all work together. And I think I remember this. And again, we're going over some things by review because you got to have some space for repetition sometimes. Here was his application, you know, to this. Get comfortable with group changes. I can tell you this. I've been a disciple for 49 years and older than that, Okay. Older than that, I've been around a while, and I can assure you, you're going to have a lot of transitions in your life, in your family, in your job, in your career, in the weather, that's for sure, in how your football team is doing from one season to another, and in your church. That's just the way that it is, okay? That's just maturity. That's understanding about life. There are going to be transitions. Get comfortable with it, plug in, and keep an outward focus in this. And as our new communities, we're not trying to just sit around and look inward and get to know each other so we can go out and impact our local community and high schools and parks and recreation centers. And then I love this one. He said, okay, what kind of animal are you? Be an ant. Be a beaver. Be an eagle. I mean, be a cow for crying out loud, okay? But don't be this guy. Unmoved. I am not budging. And Doug said, be flexible. Amen? I mean, that may have been a sincere amen on your part. That may have been a struggling one, but it's just true. We all know. 
as we keep on going, okay, in Acts you know, 15, uh, if you're following along on your device and your Bible, you're in Acts 15. And we're going to flip over and look in Acts 16 in just a minute. But you see, when they went back and they, they, they shared this with the overall church, the basic heart was rejoicing. This is great. This is good. This is godly. We work through stuff. We're all given a little bit because we want to be united and we want to be, keep Jesus as Lord. And they encouraged the believers there in Antioch. And then after a period of time, you know, the, uh, uh, you know they said, you know, uh, they were sent off in peace, but Paul and Barnabas stayed there and the church kept growing. And then after a while, Paul and Barnabas had this conversation with each other in verse 36. We should go back and see how the churches are doing. In case you didn't, didn't remember it, in the book of Revelation, Jesus comes back and he checks on the churches. I want to see how the church in Ephesus is doing. How the church in Laodicea is doing. You know, how the church in Sardis is doing. And in Pergamum and Philadelphia. And he comes back in and he has a word to those churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And if you're familiar at all with the Bible, it should not surprise you that as 20, 30, or 40 years go by, you may have to have a facelift and to be able to get back to some first principles and to get back to your first love and to, and to, to get away from materialism and lukewarmness. It shouldn't shock any one of us that in an individual life or in a church and sometimes in a marriage, you go through seasons, okay? And it's okay. We all do. People Churches, families, you know, it, it's okay as long as you don't stay there. But you grow, you change, you reflect, you read the Bible, you pray, you confess, you get together, and you grow and you move on. So they wanted to go back and see how the churches were doing. And overall, they were actually doing really good. Again, we're really at the beginning of Christianity. It hasn't gotten warped. It hasn't gotten diluted. You know, it's, and they've worked through problems, and the churches are growing. And you'll remember one of the characteristic things it says in the book of Acts, and the, the churches were growing daily in number. Okay, sometimes they would stall out a little bit, like in this period in Acts 15, and then they would get back and start growing again. And so as they're going along, they, it was interesting because... Uh, even as they decided to do it, they, Paul and Barnabas had a, a disagreement. It was a strong disagreement about kind of the missionary team. And one wanted to take John Mark, and, and the other didn't want him. And they, they, they had a sharp disagreement, and they, 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 they went in, uh, in separate directions. They still kept preaching the word. They were faithful to, uh, to the church, and they talk about each other, or Paul does very complimentary things about Barnabas later on. Okay, and so they work it out, but sometimes you got to work out things as leaders and as brothers. And you may veer off and have a little different emphasis or do this and that, but you're one. You're together. And again, it's a, you know, it's an example of this, but you stay together. Now, Paul ends up in Silas, who's a pretty, a little bit more of a veteran brother. You've already seen his name in Acts chapter 15 and some of his leadership responsibilities. He's a little bit more seasoned guy. Paul chooses Silas because he knows he's going to go right into the teeth of persecution. And that's exactly, you know, what, you know, what happens. And they, they go along, and if you're in Acts 16, I'm hitting these things quickly because we're talking about all of this in the context of, of our transition in communities and where are we at as the North River Church of Christ right now in October 2018. And how does this apply to us? 
That's where we're going, okay? And we, we have these sermons on Sunday morning, and they last about 25 or 30 minutes, but it's all about us taking it home, opening the Bible, reading, praying, reflecting, getting together, talking, and, and, and making progress. Okay, so what happens? In Acts chapter 16, Paul and, uh, and Silas, they, they, they go to Derby and Lystra, and they meet a guy that we meet frequently in the New Testament, don't we? His name is Timothy. There are two entire books that are written to him, First and Second Timothy, as Paul continues his discipling of this, uh, of this young minister and teaching and encouraging him to build up and strengthen the church as well. And so they find this young man, and it says he's spoken, his, his mother's Jewish, his father's a Greek, and people are speaking well of him. So this is interesting to me as, a, um, as somebody who has some responsibilities in, uh, in our church. And also, you know, I have some relationships and responsibilities in, in, around the Southeast and in our international fellowship where Kelly and I are asked to help out in certain areas. One of the things that we're very focused on are raising up young leaders. Raising up young men and women who, who can be given to in the same way many of us out here were given to when we were younger and how important that is. Paul understood it, but here's the thing. There are literally thousands of Timothys all over our churches. They're good guys. They're good young women. You speak highly of them. However, Somebody needs to latch on to them and train them and disciple them and love them and nurture them and get involved in their lives. Are they just remain, just in quotes, good brothers and sisters, Amen. spoken well of? And, you know, part of our communities as well, gang, we have several things we're trying to do to get to know each other better. Yes. Okay. To be able to have more of a local impact. Yes. To be able to help uh, shepherd each other better? Absolutely. But also to be able to disciple each other intergenerationally. People who are older, do you get stuff out of hanging around younger people and learning from them? If not, you're close to dead or maybe dead already, okay? And it's just not going to be good for any of us if that's where we are. It's so important to be engaged and learn from younger people. It reminds us of things. It helps, you know, keep us a little bit fresh, you know, and creative. And younger people, do you need stuff from older people? All right, I know you say that here, but you know, it's gotta, you got to keep it going during the rest of the week, okay? Because there is a part of us as younger people that also don't want to be meddled with, okay? We kind of like, you know, you know, our stuff, all right? But here's the thing, the biblical pattern, older teaching the younger, younger inspiring and giving your whole hearts. And, uh, and, and we absolutely, with the bottom of our hearts, we're wanting it, we're praying about it, we are expecting that to happen in our communities and there to be better, more meaningful, yes, one another relationships, Peer relationships, fun, fun. Let's face it, you can have more fun with 70 people than you can with 1,000 people clumped in these silly seats. Okay? That's how it works. Fun. Enjoyment. But also being involved in each other and getting to know each other. And, uh, you know, in our families. Well, uh, I left out a verse, but in verse 3 you can see, yeah, there actually was some discipling going on. Big ask. Come with me. In my ministry, and we gotta, we got to circumcise you, okay? And you got you, you to gotta go to a higher standard 
okay, than just your average, you know, Christian if you really want to be a leader. All right, and then, you know, what, what, was, the, what was the result? They, they go along as they travel along. They uh, deliver decisions reached by the apostles and elders, the people to obey, and the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they, what happened again? They start growing daily in numbers. That is inspiring. Okay, and encouraging it. And then, but they still got to expand their vision. And if you're looking there in Acts chapter 16, what happens? You know, they're, they're basically helping grow the church in a certain area of the world, in a certain region. And then the, it, 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 Paul gets a vision of a man from Macedonia begging him to come over and help them know Christ and to be able to know the Lord and be a part of the kingdom. And so they leave there concluding that God had sent them to also preach the gospel. And what happens now? The church is it, it, it's happening. What Jesus said would happen. You're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here's basically the known world, you know, for most of these people back there. And you can see, you know, you know uh, where that red kind of big dot is around where Jerusalem is. And then they start working in that area, you know, sort of the left of them. But now where it says in Asia, what they called Asia back then, whoa, they're going to go over to Macedonia. We're talking about Thessalonica. We're talking about Philippi. We're talking about Corinth, those big bad Corinthians, you know, that are there. And getting out there and making it happen. And every step along the way, God's people, God's good people, good hearts needed to have a little prodding to move out of Jerusalem, to work through their issues, to be able to go to other parts, to be able to help work and disciple and to be able to, to train each other. And then, you know, here you go. Here's the beyond because we go all the way to the very last couple of verses in the book of Acts. And, uh, and of course, beyond that is us. It's us. He says, for two whole years, this is how Acts ends. Paul stayed in his own rented house and he welcomed all who came to him and he proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance, at least for a while. Paul kept on preaching. He kept on preaching. The only thing that would stop him from preaching is when they cut his head off. Stephen kept on preaching, kept building the church, loving the church, and he kept on going until stones crushed his head and his body and his blood spilled all over the ground, and he was martyred for Jesus Christ. You couldn't stop these guys, okay, because they, they were witnesses. Jesus said he gave them a commission. It sees from the very beginning, through Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We've been talking about this for the last two years. In the Exodus, God pulls together a people for his own glory, not so they can just sell Selfishly have a better diet and a better geography and a better zip code, but so they can be a light to the nations. They can help the nations. And then they get stubborn and they get set in their own way and they keep going back to different things, but God's preparing the way for the Messiah. For Jesus, he comes, he teaches, he, he does good, he cares about the poor, he disciples leaders to be able to continue it on. And then right before he dies, he prays for our unity, you know, and then he tells us to go make disciples of all nations. As we go make disciples and teach them to obey, he's going to be with us. And then in Acts chapter 1, you know, he appears to them again is as we said you're going to be my witnesses witnesses to the resurrection the angels got to be a witness to the birth of christ we get to be a witness to the resurrection of christ 
That is the New Testament church. That is you. That is me. That's what we have the opportunity to do, not just get together here and worship and encourage each other and fellowship with each other as encouraging as it is to be together. That is, we are as, as ambassadors, that is the nature of the church. Hey, where, where have we been? Kelly and I were gone this week. We were, uh, we were at the International Leaders Conference with hundreds and hundreds of leaders from every continent, most countries around the world, uh, from our fellowship of churches. And uh, we spent three days studying the book of Acts. And then uh, we had a little bit, uh, another day where we met with all of the, the, um, uh, the, the, mission, uh, the mission team, or the mission, mission training centers, schools of missions, okay? There are about 12 scattered around the world. And we got together and we prayed and we strategized and we talked to each other and we had challenging conversations, you know, there with each other. We had something called a delegates meeting where you have representatives from all over the globe. When we come and we talk together about, you know, what, what, what do we want to do? What are the things we want to accomplish together? How can we communicate better, you know, with, uh, you know, with each other? Um, we, we, have, we, have a, we have a special fellowship of churches. There's something unique about our fellowship. Of course, it's continued on. We're, we're, we're known by many people as the international churches of Christ. Why? How about looking at the map? Because we're international. We're churches of Christ. We got 689 churches in 140 or so different nations. And what is the craziest thing? You can go from city to city country to country, and you can meet somebody in an airport, a mall, unfortunately, sometimes even in a bathroom, you know, certainly in a church, and then there's this awkward moment, and then there's this kind of awkward hug. <laughs> You've recognized each other as disciples in our churches. It's everywhere, and you can go any city in the world, and you can get something to eat, and a, a bed, and some hospitality. We even have our own special little language. You know, the way that we use sometimes our little buzzwords, awesome. You know, we kind of, you know, revive that word, you know, for the world. And it's something very special. You know it. You know it if you've been around. You know, we don't have a corner on it, on the corner on the truth. We're not the only ones, that, but there is something unique and special, and that's why we continue to grow and we continue to help each other and to be able to serve each other. Now, I got to come in for a landing. I sincerely hope you did not expect Kelly and I and the Haynes, also who have some administrative, you know, leadership and, and, and they're viewed as experts, you know, in helping administrators around the world. I hope you did not expect me to come back after after a week of these kind of discussions, these kind of prayers, these kind of meetings, and talk about football, Supreme Justice nominations, or the Levitical priesthood. I'm really hoping that's not what you were expecting, because that's not where my heart is at, okay? I'm evangelist in the kingdom of God. So is Jeff. Douglas is a teacher. We've got elders and shepherds, and we have a role, okay? And it's to help keep us on point and to be focused, okay, as well as try to set a, a godly, righteous example, you know, in, uh, you know in, in our own life. Now, you know, it's a beautiful fellowship. You know, there's a, there's a new uh, global prayer chain that you can get on and be able to, you know, pray with brothers and sisters from, you know, from around the world. But uh, I want to go back to the beginning. I'd like to make some, you know, some landing, you know, comments here. Um, what I'd like to say is I'm Getting in this last piece. What's on my heart now as we're going through our transition 
It's not how the first century church did. It's not how Acts 2 did, or 5, or 15, or even 28. It's, it's how we doing. How's the North River Church of Christ doing? And not how we doing the last 12 or 15 years. We all know the story. Last 12, 13 years, we've tripled, all right, in size. Hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, have been baptized. So many lives have, have, have been changed, and, and people converted, and marriages, and babies, and mission teams sent out, and we've tried to help churches around the southeast and the entire world. I'd like to just make a comment on how we're doing, you know, the last 18 months. It's not as good. We've kind of leveled off in our baptisms, in our giving, and unfortunately, you know, in, in, in some of our, uh, our, our gatherings during the rest of the week, but unfortunately, most of all, in our own personal faith and spiritual life. Some people have gotten stuck or in their marriages or other kinds of, you know, of things. And that, that's not where God wants us to be or we want ourselves to be, okay? And it's a matter, we've got to like, what's the key? To get focused, to be able to get focused. And I think, you know, a lot of times you've got to be, you, you've got to say some, some specifics, you know, that are, you, you know, that are going on. Uh, our communities. Um, I think one of the things that we're realizing we need is to be more conversations, more involvement, you know, with each other. And our community is trying to do all of these things. We need more accountability from one another. What does that mean? Well, the word count is in it, so it, it means counting some things too. Let me give you an example. The good shepherd, does he care if there are 99 or 100 people there? Does he? Is that important to him? If there are 99 or 100, and does he know? I think that your evangelist tells we're very interested how our community, new communities are going and who's coming, who's involved. We just had one meeting so far, so you got to build up some momentum, right? We got that. Got to get organized. People got to figure out, you know, exactly, you know, what, uh, you know, you know, what we're doing. But that's uh, that, that's important to us to be able to to be able to know. We have almost 1,200 members. We got about 130, 140 kids that come, you know, every morning. You guys are intelligent people. You can do the math, you know, on that. But our Sunday morning attendance, we've really only had over 1,200, you know, twice. That's with all the kids and visitors and everything else a couple of times in the last six months. And more recently, you know, it's been more like in the thousands, stuff like that. Now, okay, I got it. We have, we have, a, we have a break, school break, every, every two weeks, you know, and then we got retreats, and we got live stream, and people get sick, and we're older, and we can't, oh, I, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, okay? But we also got to recognize what's happening as you get older. Some, some, some people are just getting, getting um, away from the basics, and getting a little bit sloppy. Thank you, Douglas. He was very straightforward last week about people coming in late. Not occasionally, but as a matter of habit, of people not really being as engaged as they needed, you know, to be. Um, we comment on our, we comment sometimes on our, you know, on our midweek attendance, you know, there, which we make really clear. Now, we understand there are different seasons in life, you're 85-year-old woman or you're married to somebody who's, or man for that matter, you're married to somebody who's not, a, you know, your schedule is not as free, okay, on that. We've got Tuesday morning Bible studies to help accommodate, you know, that where the women are be able to get, you know, together. But, you know, we don't have a two-tiered standard of discipleship in the church, okay? 
We, we're full of love and grace and encouragement, and we talk about it all the time, and we seriously are very, you know, very flexible, but we also have to pay attention, you know, to things and not get sloppy. And here's the, one, here's the challenge. As you get bigger and everything's done for you and you feel like, well, maybe it's not as important if I'm not there, and then it kind of slips into, well, maybe I don't really need that, and then it just becomes a habit, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, read it, open your Bible, encourage one another to love and good deeds. Do not get in the habit of, me, of, of, of missing meeting together. You remember? Don't get in the habit of it. Obviously, stuff comes up. You got family events, you're traveling, people are sick, whatever. You have seasons in life when things are a little bit more challenging, but have the right habits. In your quiet times, how about discipling? <laughs> For some of our members, you meet less frequently than our church board meets with your discipleship partner, okay? And do you even have one? Do you, do you have somebody you're together on an intentional basis, really being able to help each other grow spiritually? All, all of you who've been around for a while know this is how we all got started at this. This is, this is what it's all about. You know, sometimes this question came up. We were having some conversations, and, it, and somebody said, well, are you talking about we just need to squeeze people? You don't squeeze people. We're not lemons or limes. No, you don't do that. Everything's in love. You just have conversations, straightforward conversations with your friends, with your family group. You know, with the people you're close to. How are we doing? How's my quiet time? How's, how's my discipling relationships? You know, how's my, how, how's my attendance at these activities where the church leaders are saying, we really want to be together? Hey, I'll throw one at you, you know, right now since we're, since we're trying to get, you know, you know, you know, you know specific here. We have this, uh, we got an amazing thing coming up with Douglas Jacoby. It's a debate. Okay, on Saturday night, right here in this auditorium, is Jesus the Son of God? You could take the position, well, I, I know Jesus is the Son of God. I got that. Okay, thank you. Okay, if, 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 I need, if, if I'm not sure, I'll see you on Saturday, you know, right here at 7 a.m. You could take that position. Or you could take the position, hey, I want to be here with my high school kids, my middle school friends. I want to invite everybody else. You know, the, 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 the challenge between Christianity and Islam and in the growing, you know, Islamic world that is growing leaps and bounds more and more than Christianity, quote unquote, you know, around the world. I'd like to know what is going on and how to have a respectful conversation and debate about this thing is, and to sharpen my sword biblically so I know how to, and, and for sure, I'd like to encourage people and to know that, hey, we're with this and want to help you out and appreciate you, Douglas, amen, and for putting these things together. I just think sometimes we get sloppy. I do. Look at this shirt. It's not even wrinkled. It was, just got, got it out of my suitcase last night, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I guess where I want, want, to, want to tell you, I think our true membership in our church my opinion, our true membership are those who are involved in our small groups and communities. Not people who come to Mass on Sunday morning. With the Masses coming to church. That's our true membership. You may be saved and not in that number, but we'd like you to be members of the body of Christ and consistently be locking arms. Again, you know, in love, 
patience. Great patience and careful instruction. Be patient with everybody, okay? But have the conversations about these kind of things, you know, with each other. So we can really be a growing, maturing church and not almost saying something. I do know this, okay? I do not believe that Jeff and I and Douglas and our elders want to have the conversation where people come along, you know, years from now, oh, so were you you the guys, was it under your watch where the North River Church stopped discipling each other and stopped growing and stopped making an impact in your community? Was that under your watch? I don't want to hear that, okay? Most of all, I don't want to hear it from anybody higher than this building from God. I'd like you to pray for me because I need to grow spiritually, Okay? Would you do that? Please pray for me. Pray for Jeff. Pray for your elders. We, uh, we, love all, we love you guys so much. It's so crazy. Okay? And we care about you. And we care about uh, our community. And uh, we, uh, we understand, you know, hey, this is our, this, this, this is our church. Uh, this is how it started, you know, back at the very beginning. Baptizing, you know, uh, into Christ, repenting, being devoted to each other, sharing the common life together in their communities. And then the verse 47, I didn't put on this slide, is it? And they grew daily in numbers. You know, and hopefully in all of our churches, we can get back to doing that again. What does it, it take? Get comfortable with changes. Keep that outward focus, repetition from last week. And be humble. I need to be humble. Leaders need to be humble. We all need to be humble. We're going to take communion now. It's the most important time to be, you know, be humble, you know, with each other and commit to New Testament relationships. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we've had some meaningful worship this morning. We've been able to open up the Bible and be able to hopefully say some straightforward things. But now, Father, it really is, you know, about as we take this bread and we take this juice, it really is about you. And pray we can, uh, we can ask counsel with you on how we can grow spiritually as an individual, as a marriage, as in our families, and as a church. And we honor you and are so grateful for the opportunity to do this in remembrance of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.